everybody out there in the uh, world of uh, the world of well, of world of what? You, you, you might come up with a better <laughs> with, with a phrase, Fergal, to in describe the sporting world, in the majestic in, in the ether, sporting world, the sporting ether, yeah. ether uh, wherever you are. Welcome to Talk a Good Game, the Meat Chronicles uh, weekly podcast. I'm here as usual in our studio, little studio here in Navan, uh, with Fergal Lynch, and uh, it's pretty cold out there, Fergal. Yeah, just looking out the window there, at the uh, the glistening frost on the rooftops across Navan. It's a uh, just acknowledge we we uh we didn't go ahead with a podcast last week um unfortunately i was away at a funeral of a very good friend of mine and uh an absolute true me ga legend um across all grades maria keely uh, sadly passed away last friday or the friday before um, after a, a battle with cancer, um, although <laughs> to talk to Maria during the, the eighteen months or whatever it was that she battled the illness, um, you wouldn't think for one minute she was ever sick because she was such a positive, such a strong, outgoing influence. Um, she never let on for one minute that she had been sick, and um, but unfortunately, cancer—it's a cruel, cruel thing. As so many families are affected by it and our sympathies go out to the to uh, the Keeley family in Dunshockland and to her husband Mickey Johnson and the Johnson family as well. Uh, terrible loss to lose to lose somebody so young, just thirty eight years of age. Um as the priest said at our funeral mass on Monday, you know, the words cannot do were not in Maria's vocabulary. She was somebody who did absolutely everything. A, a legend, as we said already, of Mead Ladies football. Legend, she's, yes. we, we reckon she's the only player in the history of the LGFA to have captained the Mead team to win an All-Ireland Under-16 title and then a few years later to have coached the Mead team to win an All-Ireland Under-16 title. Yeah. She was uh, part of Eamon Murray's coaching team when they won the All-Ireland in 2009 and I think she had played in the final uh, when they won it in 2000. So um, she was also part of a, a Mead minor management team with myself and Eamon um, that won um, a Leinster A minor title in 2019 and ironically she was a player on the only or on the last me team before that to win a Leinster minor A title in 2002 so you know she her longevity in the sport um, just goes to show how, how infectious she was how enthusiastic she was for the game and the reputation that she had that so many clubs and so many teams wanted to have Marie involved with them. She, the Mead Hurlers had her in as working on strength and conditioning for a couple of years. Mead Camogie team, uh, she's well known around Mead Camogie circles. She worked with the Mead uh, Intermediate Camogie team. She worked with Kilmessen. She worked at so many clubs mm-hmm. around the county as a games development officer in her early uh, days of career. And then she'd set up um, a, a superb... <laughs> Don't like calling it a gym because it's not necessarily a gym in Kilmessen and she has one she had one in Drogheda as well. Um it, it's a it's nearly like a rehabilitation gym where people with injuries want to go and, and they, they rehab really well and she's some famous names out there like jockeys and sports people from all over the country and from every county in Ireland came to yes, her indeed. Yes, when, indeed. when they had injuries and it was just you know, no, none of them ever came some of them came a lot of them came with really bad injuries. 
and Maria was like, nope, don't worry, we'll get you going. There was no such thing as we Extremely said already. Optimistic person. There's no can't do. She yeah, got yeah. them right. And uh, I know there's there's people listening on the podcast, uh, famous jockeys, famous athletes, famous footballers, famous hurlers that wouldn't be or wouldn't have had the success that they had uh, in weeks when they were badly injured that they had um, because of Maria and, and she got them back on the road. Um, I said she was a great friend of ours, great friend of myself and Eamon Murray and uh, we we managed to get to talk to her for a, an hour or two uh, actually on the day before she died um, and that was just, it, it was a, a memorable occasion, something that will live with us forever, getting to share her memories, getting to look back at some of the funny things and right up to the end she never lost her wit, uh, she quite <laughs> quite a sarcastic wit and quite a cutting wit that uh, you know she was, she was you knew exactly where you stood with Maria. What she thought of you, she absolutely. If she loved you, then you were the best in the world to her, um, and she would do anything to fight your corner. And uh, I'll tell you something. Right to the bitter end, she never gave the impression that she was, she was shook or in a bad way at all. She she battled that battle bravely, and uh, our sympathy, mm. as I said, goes out to the Keeley and yes, Johnson indeed. family. She, they've lost a wonderful, wonderful person. Yes, a very courageous, uh, very uh, uh, excellent uh, tribute there to Maria Fergal from yourself. You know her very, you knew her very well, of course. And um, uh, I was in Wexford actually on the Saturday, the day after she passed away, and uh, for the Dunshockland match, they were mm. playing down there, and there was a huge outpouring of emotion at the end of that game. And Richie Keeley, of course, was uh, her brother, is her brother, and. Um, he uh, he managed the Dunchocklin team and yeah so yeah a huge crowd at the funeral then on Sunday and then again on Monday were the guards of honour you know by her Dunchocklin Royal Gales teammates and mm. by the Mead ladies as well turned out in force just to to express their sympathy to the family and, and to it was more just to acknowledge the impact that she had on their lives and so many of their lives like she would have coached I'd say of, of the 30 players that were on that Mead panel, she would have coached 25 of them mm. at some stage during their development as younger players. So, you know, when people say oh, this overnight success that the Mead ladies enjoyed, um, it's not overnight success. It's down to the hard work of people like Eamon Murray, uh, as you said before, like Ollie Bowe, but especially for uh, people like Maria Keeley who um, just put in complete and utter dedication and left no stone unturned in preparations for teams or players, individuals. And and somebody that the girls flocked to and, you know, she was near a confidant to them as well, that they could they knew they could go and talk to her if they had any issues outside of football. Uh, and she was just brilliant. She was just yeah. a, a brilliant person and uh Hopefully her, her light will live on forever. And I know she did. Yeah. Mickey is a great man there, a super fella as well. And uh, as he says at the graveside, uh, I'm still her husband and I always will be. And he's uh, he, uh, uh, a lot of sympathy to Mickey now for his loss as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when you were just outlining there, Maria's, uh, the highlights from her career, or some of the highlights, uh, you, you know, you just, you're struck with how much, uh, she packed into her, her, you know, her short life. Yeah. How yeah. much she packed in, and uh, how much she influenced people so much, and 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 sustained people's careers through and her. Would, and she was so fit and so strong. Like Maria would have still been playing. Would would possibly still be a, a good inter county standard player if it what happened for a car accident she had a few years ago and had a bad back injury. Um, 
good few no, not a good few but a few years ago uh, which curtailed her playing career but she she was just that type of she played corner back but uh, as she said herself she could have been a brilliant centre forward mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. might have been a corner back but I could have played centre forward as well and there's no doubt she could because she was so versatile and so enthusiastic and committed to everything that she did that no matter what she turned her hand to she was able to excel in it and uh, again look we don't want to to mm. uh, well, just when you to bring the Christmas mood down, but it, no, it, it no, was but a it, dis, it was a, a shocking, shocking passing, and uh, she left uh, a massive hole in the hearts of, of everybody that knew well, her. There's a Smiths uh, song, a song by the Smiths. There's a light that never goes out. Yeah, and yeah. I think that applies to uh, yeah. Maria. I won't sing it. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, she'd be telling me, "Go on, very good, sing yeah, it there. Go yeah, on, go on, sing it there." No, no, no. but it's, there's but a light that never goes out. It certainly applies to Maria Keeley yeah, Johnson. Uh, Absolutely. Um, and, and Jimmy, as we said, we didn't do the podcast last week, so there was disappointment for Dunshockland last week. Obviously, um, it was only a football match, but they lost out in that game, but there was joy for Castletown. And they now know their um, opponents for yeah. the All-Ireland semi-final. Yeah. Handy so, one. Handy, handy number, handy uh, uh, match, you know, against Fossa. David Clifford's team. Uh, who's going ma- who's gonna- <laughs> who's gonna to be assigned to... Uh, or which... Two or three players will be assigned to Mark Clifford. That's the yeah. Which the Clifford question. though? Between yeah, yeah, yeah. Between well, the David two Clifford. We'd start with David Clifford, you know, for a start, and then. So between the two, the two Cliffords, Paddy and David, they scored one fourteen in their Munster final win over. Was it Kilmurray? Uh, who was it? It was one. It's a marvelous occasion. It's a great occasion though for Castleown, isn't it? You know, to, to, to get to a, an Ireland semi final. To yes, as as you said, Fergus, I was down there in in Wexford. Uh, they played extremely well that day. You know, some teams. You go into a final, they're a bit nervy. Leaves, a, you know, it takes them a while to get going. Right from the start that day, Aidan Young has has and his lecturers had his had their troops ready to, to play and and kick off and and they played brilliant football. And sure, throughout. and sure, David Clifford and Paddy Clifford are going to be a handful. But from what you've seen of lads like Ben Hoy and they're super defenders and they're sticky yeah, and tight. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, if you give Clifford's any room, they'll punish you. But they won't get a whole lot of room. So well, they'll have to be under game to, to get the better this Castletown defence. Yeah, and uh, Castletown are playing whatever Aidan Young, as I said, and his management team have instilled into them this year a tremendous self-belief. So it's carried, it's helped them this far. Now, they're very good players as well. But um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned there about Foster, they've got their stars, of course, but so have Castletown. Kevin Ross scored, what, six points, I think it was. Yes, there was six points. Now, it was all from place ball, five frees of 45 as well. But yeah. But he showed he his skills very, earlier in the campaign well. with his audacious well, lob. You know, yeah, against like Lara, it, yeah. It, but if David Clifford had done that, yes, it'd be yeah. on RT every it'd week. Gone, it'd, it'd be, be gone, it'd, it'd be viral. forming the basis of multi-million pound adverts. So but it was just yeah. an exceptional piece of skill. Yes, so, you know, spontaneous. Kevin uh, Ross has the ability to create something out of nothing. Declan Cribben, another Declan Cribben. fine forward. Uh, Rean McDonald. McConnell. Is Rean McDonald? McConnell. Yes, yes, yes. And. You know, they've, they've got some brilliant players all over there, as you said. Killian Price, Killian Shane Smith, Ridge, and yeah. half back there, captain as well. So, you know, they've very I'd good. I give them uh, every John chance. captain with Jonathan Guinity. I'd give them every chance. And, and uh, as you said, it's already been a remarkable year for Castletown. Uh, winning, the, winning the Junior Football Championship, winning the A-League Division 3A, uh, winning, and then going and winning the Leinster 
they'd never have believed us <laughs> that they'd be yeah. Leinster champions. Uh, so they'll enjoy their Christmas. Well, normally you mightn't associate Castletown with Morocco, but perhaps you could on this occasion. Right. Because, yeah. <laughs> because see the link, uh, but yeah, well, go for it. Well, because, you know, Morocco have caused quite a few shocks. Castletown can cause a shock. It just shows you what can be achieved in sport. I remember back in the day, Colchester playing Leeds United and teams like this. But I mean, Castledown are they that far behind? Apart from maybe the Cliffords, as you mentioned there. Yeah, no, we, no, we, we, absolutely uh, you know. not. You know, they've, they've come up against uh, quality opposition yeah, this yeah, year and swept, yeah, swept yeah. them apart, swept them aside. Yeah. So uh, no, you you have to give them every chance. But look, we look ahead to that game in the future. The, unfortunately, That's in the new year, yeah, in the new year, I think it's the seventh of January. Uh, Lord knows where they'll play that game, Jimmy. It could be mm, played in Limerick, uh, I suppose. Would it? Lim- uh, yeah, Limerick, Port-Leash, or, maybe. Tipper or Limerick or, or maybe Turles or somewhere yeah, like that. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't know. I know Coraha <laughs> played a Kerry team that played uh, Temple No, I think, in the All Ireland Junior semi final a few years ago. They played yeah. in Limerick. I remember um, me playing Kerry in a, in a, in a league semi final down there in Turles yeah. back in 2000 and, and went down there in a, in a fleet of limousines. Right. <laughs> so, okay. uh, so the, well, I don't think Castledown will do that, but no, uh, look no, at uh, No, fleet of Massey Ferguson's get yeah, them down well, there. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, let the meat boys, let them at them. Yes, let yes. The Castletown boys at them and we see what happens. But uh, best of luck to Castletown. It's marvellous for the club over Christmas yeah. now. They yeah. can look forward to that. But unfortunately, it was the end of the road. Um, for another trip for another me team in Leinster final action on Saturday mm. uh, Trim were, were playing Bray Emmett's in the Leinster yeah, you were Intermediate down there, in, in Ockram no I wasn't Jimmy uh, the game was, was meant to be in Ockram, Ockram and yes, it, it was, was changed and yes. it was changed and you know getting to play a provincial final in your home ground was a huge thing for Bray Emmett's um, and the call could have been made a lot easier I'm not sure what the um what your pre-match arrangements were in, in the case of a postponement, I'm sure it would have been that the, the home team, if their pitch was unplayable, that um they would have lost um they would have lost their home their home advantage. But they left it very late in the day. The call was only made at like nine o'clock or half nine on Saturday morning that Ockram was unplayable and the game would be played in Bray. Now it's probably half the journey for Trim to Bray than it is to to Ockram but uh, it was great for Bray to have a home game to roll out of their beds and down to their to their local pitch and familiar with everything how um, much of a difference do you think that made to teams with that I think team? it made I think I think it makes a huge difference on the type of day it was which was freezing cold ground was hard uh, you're, you're trying to get your preparation right for a, an away team travelling you're thinking I'll have my breakfast at a certain time of the day, I'll get my rest, I'll get out of bed, I'll, I'll do everything at a certain time of the day. And then all of a sudden, everything gets pushed back. So instead of Trim maybe leaving at, you know, half nine on Saturday morning to head down to Ockram or 10 o'clock to head down to Ockram, the plans get pushed back by an hour. So now they've got an hour and they're going, oh God, do I need to have my food a little bit early or a little bit later now? And they might've had their early morning food. and, and it. It just disrupted them a little bit. I'm not saying that sounds like you're making an excuse for the result, but it might be an excuse for their very, very slow start to the game. Trim just really struggled in the opening stages. They weren't at the race at all and were four points. That's very unlike them. Very unlike them. Four points to no score down after four and a half minutes. Three of those four scores coming from play. Like, if you remember back to the provincial semi final, 
against Tullamore. Trim never conceded a score from play over the 70 minutes that were played, including the injury time. Yet they had three conceded in the first four or five minutes yeah, I mean, against Bray. Now, Bray were a better class of opposition. Christy Moorehouse and Mikey Boland were outstanding for them. I think they, they between them, they scored 13 of their sides, 17 points, or 14 of their 17 points, and nine of them from play. So mm. they were deadly. But when you take into consideration Trim's slow start, which left them four points to no score down, as we said, after five minutes, they lost Dimmy Higgins to a second yellow card. Sorry, before that, after 11 or 12 minutes, they lost Kieran O'Rourke to injury. Their stalwart cornerback has been outstanding. Yeah, yeah. They lost him after 11 or 12 minutes. Then they lost Dimmy Higgins to a second yellow card in first half injury time which was a little bit harsh. She picked up two, you could say maybe foolish yellow cards, but it was very harsh uh, to be sent off in such in such fashion, you know, without a dirty blow. Like, it's very, very tough one to take. <clears throat> By that stage, Trimmer got back level. It was eight points each, and then Bray got a point just before halftime to go 9-8 up at halftime. Then early in the second half, a big long ball goes into the Trim Square, and uh, three players go for it, and the three of them end up sprawled on the ground. Uh, I think it was Mikey Boland it was Ben Holden and Jerry Dwan Jerry Dwan wasn't able to play on after that so sounds a bit like so, the, the, the clash in the yeah, Kerry against yeah, well, Kerry possibly and only, only they, didn't the they didn't yeah, get a score off they didn't get a score didn't get a off, score off but yeah. what it did mean was that Trim were without three of their six, six starting backs and three of their main players uh, you know, obviously Tor, James Torr would be their mainstay at centre back but to be without Kieran O'Rourke, Jerry Dwan, there's two of their full back line, Dimmy Higgins sent off. They were down three of their six starting defenders and mm. they were really, really up against it. Now, mm. they did well. Three-quarter stage, they were still within, you know, within shooting distance, 12 points to 11, but then they didn't score again. They needed a goal later on. They ended up going for goal, which, okay, Trimmer beating 17 points to 11. But in fairness, it was a lot closer than that because there was probably three or four attacks in the closing five minutes that Trim would have if they needed points they could have just tapped them over the bar Was there an element where I mean they've been playing hurling and football at a, at a constant rate now all year was there an element where they just ran out of steam Fergal they, they, they were exhausted maybe oh, Look you, you could say that but that wasn't an element two weeks earlier you know so mm. I don't think that comes into it two, two more weeks down the line I don't think mm. that comes into it Um they just never got going. They just didn't hit the hit the uh, standards that they ha- had shown in previous games. And credit has to be given to Bray. Bray were very good. But when, they ha- when as we said, Dimmy Higgins got sent off, John Henderson was centre-back. He ended up in a free man. Trim ended up trying to loft ball into an inside full forward line. Alan Douglas was the only man to score more than once from play. And he scored two points. Right. Uh, so you know, very unlike, very unlike. And, trim, to, and you to know. cough up a lot of frees. Okay, they had their defensive um, problems clearly, as you outlined. But they cough up a lot of freezes unlike them well, too. Well, not even a lot of freezes. Who scores from play? So nine. Yeah, but they they scored nine. Didn't they, they score nine frees? No, no. Nine, nine, the nine. two boys between them had nine from play. Nine from play. Right. Nine okay. From play yeah, and yeah, five yeah. frees. And, right, and yeah. so there was twelve points conceded from play. Right. As opposed to nothing against Tullamore and as opposed to very little against Ainsford, if I try to remember off the top of my head, didn't mm. concede that much from play either. Yeah, it's just one of those... Uh, just one of those days, yeah. Where, uh, look, I know it's a cliche, but I mean, it, it can hit, hit teams. As I mentioned, Castletown, yeah. they 
they just began right from the start. Yeah, so yeah. it shows really just how important a good start is, yeah, you know. Yeah. A, good, a good start is half the work, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the old saying goes. But, uh, you know, it, it really has been a remarkable year. And, uh, you know, we talked about Castletown winning the club of the year for, for what they've achieved. What Trim have achieved this year has been sensational when you, when you go through everything that the club has won. But that, that hurling team and, and the players involved... Um, week in, week out, with you know tr- that are hurling training. It's been a tough year, as we said already, because so many of them are dual players and they were involved playing football one week, then hurling the next week. It, it was tough on them because they never really got a break. But when you look back at the success that they had, and I'm trying to stall here to find the full list. Um, what about the um, the winter hurling? This whole issue of winter hurling, like, was it a good quality game? Would you say? Um, it wasn't the greatest game but that could be from just looking at it through uh, red tinted glasses um, where mm. you would think that maybe Trim just didn't play to as well as they're capable of uh, the Wicklow boys Bray did, did get some very good scores they did play some very good hurling they were sound defensively as I said John Henderson very good at centre back two boys in their full forward line were excellent but just looking back on what Trim have achieved and, and their hurlers alone, so winning the Senior Hurling Championship, winning the A Hurling League Division 1 and Division 3. At division at, at underage level, they won Division 1 titles at under 13, 15, 17 and 21. Um, they won the Billy Byrne, or no, they were in the Billy Byrne Cup final as well. Then they get to mm. a Leinster final. So, no, those hurlers have just been phenomenal. Mm. And a lot of those lads are dual players that played in an mm. All-Ireland. That's, that's what I'm that, thinking. That won because a Leinster club last January, played in an All-Ireland so intermediate club basically final. for two years now, in constant. Fe- in February. Uh, they got to under-21 hurling final uh, last week, played on the same weekend. It was 10 players uh, that played in an under-20 football final on Friday night that played in an under-21 hurling final two days later, or less than two days later. Um, and then on the ladies' end of the thing, you know, the, the club has been flying. They've won getting to, to finals at intermediate and minor camogie and, and getting to finals and ladies hoping on winning the Division 6 and ladies' minor final mm. yesterday as well. It's just been a phenomenal two years for the Trim Club. And you look at the kids that were in Bray on, on Saturday and they were there in... There are dozens and dozens and dozens, I was going to say hundreds, but there's dozens and dozens of kids there. <laughs> mm. But they must think that, that this happens regular. They're, they're looking at Trim G and going, this is, this is just normal for us. It's been mm. absolutely phenomenal two years for the club. Mm. And what those lads achieved in getting to the Leinster Hurling final should never be taken away from them. And it's an unbelievable achievement. It's something that's only been done a couple of times in Meat Hurling history by Kiltail and by Kilmessen. Kilmessen were the only ones that have actually won it uh, before losing to Capitagal in the yeah. All-Ireland semi-final. That's right, yeah. So it's it's remarkable achievement. And uh, while Trim will be disappointed with how the game went on Saturday they can hold their heads up high the way they represented the town and the county well you outlined there how, what Trim have achieved this year Fergal but Tr- Castledown won the won the Club of the Year award yeah, yeah, yeah. you know well Trim won it last year so I suppose mm. they're like you, you can't deny the Castledown uh, had an exceptional year winning the junior and winning the Division 3 of the league and 
to cap it all off winning the Leinster Junior which is unbelievable um, Trim had won the club of the year last year so yeah. it was always unlikely they were going to get it two years in a row but um, it was uh, that's just me being biased saying uh, highlighting all those things but they definitely can't take it away from Castletown but my point that I'm trying to make is that while the Trim players will be disappointed with how they performed on Saturday in Bray nothing can take away from the sensational seasons two seasons that they're after having and those players have been a credit to the town and and we won the tidy towns as well you can't forget that <laughs> yes <laughs> I got into a uh, under 20 under 20 uh, final as well Dunhamore yeah. Ashburn lost to Dunhamore Ashburn I'm afraid uh, yeah, that's a, yeah we won't we won't go won't dwell on that one yeah but uh, you know we still got there for so it seems know? like a bit of a, a trim podcast at the minute Jimmy you bared well, you bared the bitter cold on Saturday as well the two of us yeah, were on duty yes indeed uh, the, the challenge in North East Football League challenge cup final Trim Celtic took on Belorgan and yeah Trim's won 3-2 uh, to complete a double, yes, it was quite a year for them. Now, uh, a lot of the players might not be from Trim, but they're, they're, you know, Robbie Hogan there has put together a brilliant team, and I think it underlined the the um, the quality a manager can bring to a, a, a captain. James Goggins was now, uh, now Trim had a, pr- a very good manager in Alan Murphy before this, but but Alan stepped down at the end of last year, and Robbie Hogan took over. Robbie, of course, he he was a coach with. Uh, was he at the game on Saturday, uh, Alan Murphy? I didn't see didn't him. See, I think I saw him up in Dublin on Saturday or in Blanchetown on Saturday evening. Right, he may Later have been. that evening. I think uh, it is. He, he may, have gone, he may have gone up from the MDL. Yeah, yeah, it could have been. But yeah, yeah. yeah, look, it was, it was absolutely Arctic conditions as we know on Saturday and I think the, the North East Football League were going to have to do something about that in terms of having their, their showpiece event of the, of the season in conditions like that. Cause but this is Ireland, This is Jimmy. a meagre squad. No, but you, yeah, obviously okay, you're going to have it in September, say, you know, and... Uh, the, you could have it in absolute pissings of rain in September well, either I, I, you, know? I, well, you just I, never know at least you wouldn't have it sub-zero conditions because the crowd I mean normally they get a couple of hundred people at these matches and you know it, it can be a considerable amount of income for the North East Football League and um, but uh, there, was only, there was a meagre crowd there on Saturday and um, would you blame and Challenge them? Cup final and the Challenge Cup final and it was a good match good quality game it used to be a time that those <laughs> games were played in the United Park uh, yeah, I, know, I yeah. know the MDL pitch is brilliant and the whole lot it but is. it's not suitable for having a crowd at a game is there plans did I hear somewhere along that there might be plans for some sort of seating put in no well I haven't heard anything no, I maybe. mean there is a big fence around there a, a very expensive fence yeah. it, it took uh, well a quarter of a million euro to, to, to build this construct this pitch yeah. and the surroundings as well which is oh, a, a, a big fence pitch. fantastic fa- quality yeah but but yeah, is it I suitable mean, for a cup final but pr- yes it's that's arguable because there's no seats obviously and there's no uh, yeah, like the supporters I, 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 are kept off the pitch by a rope yeah, right yes there's all I mean if, you'd wonder if a row developed yeah. what would happen never you know? row no rows developed no <laughs> you know, never rows in soccer well, that's only a GA problem if you listen to some of the commentators uh, that are out there well there's no hooliganism the in, the in the GA, the GA. but there is in yeah. soccer you know <laughs> but uh, um, uh, you know so look, it would have been yeah, like a, does, but, does, but does basically it, what you're saying with the amount of people added it would have been like having a row in a telephone box well no, no there was quite <laughs> more, a bit more than that there but uh, you know I mean there's always an added lustre to the, the cup final when you brought it to the United Park or, or yeah, uh, yeah. okay yeah. United Park might not be the most salubrious of League of Ireland grounds either but well, at least, you know it was a League of Ireland couple ground couple of covered stands and, and yeah. would you, if you were a soccer player for, would you like to go to which would you like to go to MDL or and you, you did play for Trim Celtic back in the back 
back in the day. Back, back in the day, the yeah. 30, 40 years ago. But um, They never played in United Park, but did play in the MDL a few times, all right? The MDL, as, as we've already said, is a fine facility, absolutely fine facility. But just, it's not, it's a bit like Dungani that it's uh, it's not fit for purpose for championship finals or major finals like that mm. it, it shouldn't be there's no there's no way to control the crowd and as okay we're kind of half joking you know that there was no rows but if there was a flashpoint no, no, I, I know I wasn't yeah, there's yeah. no controlling if a row did break there's out, no yeah. controlling what are you going to piece of string holding <laughs> holding a few couple a few dozen people back and getting onto the pitch where a referee can uh, be abused or, or players or management or anything can be abused and it's just yeah it's not ideal having major games like that in, in facilities that aren't up to the up to or spectating facilities we'd say the rest yeah. of the facilities are perfect yeah. in the NBA so I, I think, yeah yeah very good excellent good surface and all the rest of it and that has Lights to be a, are that has to be a factor too yeah. especially this time of the year but, but the NAFL NEFL will, will have to look at that and sort of rejig their programme and get it you yeah, know get the, the matches get the FA, get the <coughs> FA Cup August, get the Champions <laughs> Cup final played maybe earlier in August, the season September yeah. and uh, but the game itself Jimmy trim one three two. yeah yeah I mean they, they, they didn't play well trim in the first 25 minutes Belorgan were the better team then Trim hit back with a couple of goals by one of their talented young players Dean Courtney he got two two goals they went 2-0 up uh, and then nearly in the second half about a half time 2-0 yeah 2-0 two two. up at a half time then in the second half Belorgan came back again hit back with two very quick fire goals which was wouldn't have been expected considering in their league meetings Trim yeah. had a 9-1 average 9-1 aggregate win yeah yeah the one the one comprehensively yeah 6-1 and uh, three, 6-0 and 3-1 yeah so uh, yeah you would expect but I know that Belorgan have been improving all the time and um, they, 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 they won promotion now from you know the, the, the um, Belorgan have been improving all the time and they got back to 2-all Jimmy and uh, as the freezing fog was descending that as Liam O'Rourke would say that appalling vista was looming on the horizon yes extra time extra time yeah but um, but thankfully thankfully then uh, they launched an attack uh, and uh, Connor Walsh got a goal for a deflected shot you know but um, deflected shot yeah so Belorgan unfortunately as you say they have been they're on the way back as a team um uh, you know, Court Celtic are were promoted this year, and Belorgan are you know one of those teams who have enjoyed great times but have slipped back down the ranks. But they're on the way back clearly, uh, and sort of yeah. But it, it was really um, as, as I spoke to James Goggins afterwards, and he he, he praised Robbie Horgan for the professionalism and, and the way he organised, came in, brought a, a an organisation, a discipline, and created this culture and environment where the, the guys enjoyed and want to be part of, and that's the secret of any management team we've discussed it before with Eamon Murray and so on haven't we Fred yeah, you know yeah, about the, yeah, yeah. creating the, an environment and yeah. The, yes and how important that is and the culture and wanting guys wanting to go in because obviously it, they have a big squad and a lot of players weren't getting their, their, their games or regular games anyway but at the same time nobody was walking away so that's a that's a real uh, the secret of any management I think you know to keep everybody happy and so on and it shows great diplomatic skills and uh, on Robbie's behalf a very yeah. nice fellow who's been through the mill you know he was very very ill a few um, some time ago you know but he came back and um, you know he was in a coma for a week actually he told me you know and um, so that's yeah, but great, great he was a him, yeah. Yeah, coach with um, coach with Sporting Fingal Drahd and so on manager Drahd for a short while so a great occasion for Trim said to, to achieve double. a double yeah, yeah. to so. achieve a double so well, as you say great, great 
another um, feather in the uh, feather, cap. Yes, indeed. And you, um, you just mentioned Eamon Murray there. It was a, a night of celebration for the Mead Ladies on Friday night. There was two lots of uh, celebrations going on Friday night. This uh, we really have to develop this art of bilocation, uh, Jimmy, because yeah. two lots of, of celebrations on Friday night. A big gala night in Knightsbrook. Um, hosted by uh, Rory O'Connor of Rory Stories and special guest Nina Carberry was on hand to present the Mead Ladies with their All-Ireland Senior Football Medals and their National Football League Division 1 medals. There was also a couple of individual awards handed out. I know Eamon Murray was made, uh, was given a presentation to mark his time as the, the manager of that hugely successful team. But the uh, couple of awards as well, the Player of the Year award went to Megan Tyne um, Avian Cleary from Dunhamore Ashburn picked up the Players Player of the Year and uh, Orla Lally who is home from Australia uh, I was talking to Orla last week in, in great form she picked up the Young Player of the Year award so uh, plenty of awards handed out in a glamorous mm. ceremony we've all the photographs and, and a report from the night in this week's Mead Chronicle and there was also an, uh, Mead GA had their awards um, on Friday night in the Castle Arch Hotel in Trim now those awards were were already pre-announced, so uh, I actually haven't got them in front of me. But off the top of my head, you'd mm. retold Conor McGill mm. won the McDermott Hanley mm. Award for Footballer of the Year. Yeah, uh, Trims Charlie Ennis won uh, Hurler, Hurler of the, the Year. year. Georgie yeah, Douglas, Kinsella. yeah, Dunshockton. George Douglas won Young Hurler of the Year from Trim. Dunshockton's Rory Kinsella, Young Footballer of the Year. Derek Ryan, Referee of the Year. Yeah, Ollie Regan, Most Improved Referee of the Year, um, which. I always mm. find those awards to be quite funny, most improved. I think it's actually Ollie's first year refereeing, so what's he most improved on? But anyway, maybe from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, but yeah. Ollie's an exceptional, uh, former exceptional mm. player with, with Kiltail and a uh, very good referee as well. Congratulations to them all, yes, yeah, absolutely. So as we said, Castletown picked up Club of the Year, Ballon Lock picked up Grounds of the Year, mm. Um, mm. Colin O'Brien, who we've, we've been effusive in our praise PRO. here, got PRO of the Year. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Any other any other ones? There was a special presentation made to Hall of Maraid, Fame was Maraid. to um, um, Matthew Kerrigan. Yeah, course, just jumping in there. I'm just explaining. There was a special presentation made to Maria Delaney to mark her outgoing as Mead's GA secretary. Kieran Flynn will be brought in tonight at convention. Yeah, and as you said, Hall of Fame to uh, the one the and only Matthew, and the great yeah, Matthew yeah. Kerrigan. Uh, Very brilliant former Mead footballer, obviously in 1967, and, and uh, went to Australia in 68. But obviously, yeah, and, and a great, uh, great 1975 when they won the National Football League. There, yeah. So uh, about time he was probably inducted into the Media Hall of Fame. He's a, a, yeah. a, a great one, Matty. Um, I think that was pretty much all the awards off the top you, of my you're head. You're speaking to Orla Lally. You're saying, Fergal, yeah, I just met Orla. Out, how is she? How or, what or, are Australian experience that she's Orla's good. Yeah, she enjoyed her time. In Australia, um, obviously missed the GA. She said when she was when she was over there, but uh, and she's hoping to play a little bit while she's home. Um, but she will be going back to Australia, I would imagine. Uh, she made a huge impact with Fremantle Dockers, uh, and Vicky Wall also was nominated as um, AFLW Young Player of the Year or Rookie of the Year. Mm. Uh, I don't think she won. She didn't win that award, but no. great for her to be nominated. Um, so it's a it's a great experience, um, and Orla was saying that you know to train professionally and, and play professional sports, it's a great experience for her. Um, and so it looks like she'll be heading back down under as well later in the year. Yeah. Um, but plenty of fixtures coming up, Jimmy. I know it's it's meant to be quieting down now before 
before Christmas, but we're not long until we're back into it. We've uh, well, Pats up, have a match on Wednesday. St. Pat's Classical School have a match on Thursday. Thursday is it? Which yeah. will mark uh, Thursday. Thursday, right? Which will mark Colm O'Rourke's final involvement. I'm not sure he's involved with the management team, but he's stepping down as principal uh, of St. Pat's next week and won't be involved with the team anymore in St. Pat's. And he's a remarkable record winning a couple of Hogan Cups there with uh, with St. Pat's. So that'll be the end of an era mm. uh, at that game. Certainly will be, yes. Colin Morocco stepping down, yes. Uh, but, uh, we're, we're, and, and then later at the weekend, there's, there's other there's no matches this weekend. Don't take a whole lot on at the weekend, but uh, you're, I think actually the uh, under-21B final between Waterstown and is it Norbrook and Maynham Wood has been refixed for next weekend, so that could be on next weekend. Um, but then... There's no rest for the wicked. We're straight back into it. A Burn Cup game away to uh, Carlo on a Wednesday night. I think it's the 4th of January. Yes. Uh, then then the we have home Kyo games Cup. against Longford and Leash. There's a Kyo Cup game away to Carlo as well. The opening round of that. Uh, that's the 7th, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so I think there's, uh, there's plenty there. But the fixtures for the master plan for the year ahead for National League and Championship were also released. Um, so it's metered straight into action when the Burn Cup ends. 29th of January opening of the National Football League Division 2 away to Cork in Park at Cueve at 1.30 on the Sunday the 29th of January and the hurlers opened the following Saturday with a home game against Wicklow um, in Park Hulchin National Hurling League Division 2 be at 2 o'clock on Saturday the 4th the following day Mead welcome Clare in the National Football League but plenty of fixtures going on two trips we have two trips for the hurlers to London this year Jimmy so mm. uh, we'll try and get a junket away to them uh, for one of them anyway we'll see what happens but um, yeah no rest for the wicked so as we said Castletown will be in action on the 7th of January as well in All-Ireland Junior Club Mead in action in the O'Byrne Cup on the 4th the 7th and the 11th uh, so there's going to be no let up uh, in action at all and uh, a couple of Christmas parties to attend and nights out time to spend with the family over over the Christmas weeks and well, we, we we will also have Jimmy uh, on the 20th of January the Mead Chronicle Sports Awards will be back right. okay right so, uh, okay yeah, so yeah, we'll just to let bit people of planning know, to do before that one bit of planning to do we'll be announcing our sports person of the year our team of the year our young sports person of the year and outstanding achievement of the year award winners and we'll also have a couple of other categories uh, just to recognise the phenomenal work that people have put in over the last 12 months and what has been another outstanding year for Mead Sport any highlights from the year yourself Fergal just when you look back ah it? yeah well for me personally uh, being part of the of the trim setup and, and helping out with stats and that for, to get to an All-Ireland Club final and be involved in Crow Park and in the dressing rooms and out onto the field and that was very special um, to be involved in that uh, and of course seeing the club win the Jubilee Cup as well was was uh, great days um, yeah but definitely Crow Park I, I know the result didn't go our way but that was that was a definite highlight and something that will live with me forever Mead Ladies winning the All-Ireland uh, unbelievable I don't think it'll ever match the drama of, of the win over Dublin or the excitement of that first one but just they were so comprehensive and so ex- and so outstanding in games against uh, in the All-Ireland final against Kerry but the the tense nature of the wins over Galway especially um, was something and Donegal will, will, will live with us for a while but yeah plenty of highlights over the year um, 
football wise and ladies football and and club wise so uh, mm. yeah it was a really brilliant 2020 20, 2022 uh, yeah. tinged a little bit of sadness there at the end of the year um, but a remarkable year on the sporting front Okay, well, sure, uh, we, no doubt we, we, we mentioned it maybe at another time uh, uh, how things unfolded in 2022. But, uh, Fergal, listen, we will leave it there for another week. Uh, Thanks, Jimmy. Uh, all you folks who listen out there in uh, podcast land, uh, ha- have a brilliant Christmas if we're not talking before that. Still, and, um, you know, and we, and we, a Merry New Year. And uh, whatever, yes, and wish you well and you keep, keep safe and the, keep healthy. Not the saying at home alone. Happy Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever you, uh, greetings you want to extend. I don't think many people would be extending that one, Fergal, but no, look, no. that's okay. No. But that's okay. Happy Christmas anyway, everybody, and uh, we'll talk again, and this is uh, the, the another edition of Talk a Good Game. Say hi.